Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast. We're talking about the big question, why can't I stop eating, right? If you ever asked yourself this question, there are good reasons why, most likely. Now, of course, I just wanna make a quick disclaimer, this doesn't apply to everyone, you know, I don't know how you eat, but the most common reason I see for why people can't stop eating is because they're eating a lot of processed food. Now listen, these processed foods are designed by chemists to be addictive. So, you know, do you really wanna go up against <laughs> the best and brightest minds, the most resources possible, um, the most addictive foods they can possibly create, you know? So it's no shortcoming on your own, you know? It, it's the fact that you're literally <clears throat> consuming some of the most addictive things that are possible. It's that simple. And so I wanna go through a couple of the things that they do to food to make them addictive, you know? And, and make it so that we're always hungry, always can't stop eating them. Uh, because I think what you're gonna find is the more, I'm gonna give you the top line first, the, the more natural whole foods you eat, the less you're gonna eat, okay? Because they're gonna satisfy your micronutrient needs. Um, you're gonna get the fiber in your body that you need. There's a slower um, release of glucose, you know, so uh, you're not getting these spikes and these crashes. That That's the simple answer, right? Eat more natural, whole plant-based foods, okay? Um, not even plant-based, eat, eat meat, but but make sure it's sourced well. Um, but let's talk about the processed food, right? Why why is it so addictive? <clears throat> and why can we keep eating it, right? Um, there's a number of reasons. And the first thing, I just want to set a frame for you that uh, I like to use the phrase food cigarettes because, uh, you know, we tend to think of food in a very, like a lot of times we think of our favorite foods, might be cookies, maybe chips, whatever. And we kind of throw all the marketing and just kind of generally how we think about it. We think like, oh, you know, some grandma's recipe passed down through the ages. That's what I'm eating. You know, some really delicious cookie that really rose to the top. And that, that's what I like. We don't think of the foods we're eating, especially the processed foods, as being designed in labs by chemists. Right? Um, but that's much more accurate to what's going on. And they have really broken down what makes food addictive uh, to very, very, you know, specific qualities, things you never would have imagined most likely. Um, a few of those things are meltdown, right? So as soon as the food goes in our mouth, does it melt down? They consider Cheeto to be one of the, the most amazing foods they've ever created because when you put a Cheeto in your mouth, the saliva does a lot of the work for you. It starts to melt down, you know? And why that matters is the, the overriding principle is this, that your body and brain love calories, right? It's that simple. They've done studies with mice that put tubes in their, into their stomachs and they'll put different food solutions in with different calorie contents and the higher calories cause the brain to release more dopamine. So it's not even a taste thing, it's a calorie thing. That's the first thing that it's important to understand. So when we talk about meltdown, we're talking about easy calories, right? So it's not even just the number of calories, how easy are they for us to get them? And so this meltdown process our body loves because it's easy calories. Um, they call you know, other, some other things that they look for, uh, flavor hits, you know? So when we get these really intense flavors on our tongue, it sends our mind into a tizzy, you know? And uh, it, it's hard to control. So a lot of what this food's doing is it's overwhelming our brain and our body, okay? And we lose control with it. And it's not, again, it's not a you thing. It's like if someone smoked cigarettes or did cocaine or did heroin and blamed themselves for being addicted to it. You know, um, there's there's a biological, physiological thing going on here. And the more you can appreciate that, the more prepared you are, I think, to deal with these foods. Um, because ultimately, it's very difficult to interface and eat these foods regularly and have control over them, 
right? Well, that, that's that, that commercial I used to have. I bet you can't eat just one. I wouldn't take them up on that bet. <laughs> it's like it's like betting against the casino. They're ultimately going to win. So the more exposure you have and the more you eat processed foods, you're probably going to find the more that you ultimately eat. Okay, because again, these foods are designed to be overeaten, to be addictive. And so, um, the, you know, I'll get, just to give a little more context to this, Frito-Lay has a campus outside of Dallas, and I believe they have over three or 500 chemists chemist um, working for them. They have a $40,000 machine designed just to figure out the perfect pounds per square inch. That's the perfect, most addictive crunch for human beings. So again, I, I mentioned this to you just so you can start to realize the scope of what we're up against. Uh, and again, it's very much like cigarettes. You know, cigarettes originally were, were addictive because you take nicotine, that's addictive. But then what they did as they moved along is they start putting ammonia in the cigarettes so it absorbs into your blood quicker. That makes it more addictive. And um, they put different chemicals in there that, again, help you absorb it quicker. Uh, and so they're working on levels you can't even imagine. And I say this to you so that you start to have more context for why you're out of control. It's not just a willpower thing. It's a substance thing. And you're eating something that is extremely extremely addictive. And, uh, you know, I could go on and on with it all, but I'm, I'm going to leave you there with it. And I will recommend um, a, a book, two books I really like a lot that I think shine more light on this. One is Salt, Sugar, Fat by Michael Moss. And the other one is The End of Overeating. And I think these two books will give you a foundational understanding of what you're up against. And I think you should read these books and take this seriously because I believe where we're at right now, it's like the 50s with the cigarettes. They'd start to have studies come out and realize just how damaging and bad the cigarettes were for your health. And it took another 30 years, 40 years for that to really seep into the public consciousness. You can't wait to realize how harmful these foods are. You've got to take action now and start realizing it. I'm not even saying stop eating them yet, okay? I'm saying start to realize what you're putting into your body, okay? Because it could potentially, you know, cause health issues, overweight, um, you know, and possibly even death. I mean, let's be honest, you know, so, so that everything's at stake here and it's up to you to really go learn about those foods. Okay. Um, if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask them. I'd love to answer them. <laughs> Yikes. Um, why my weight loss stopped in calorie deficit. Um, yeah, that happens sometimes, but I don't know how long has it been? How long has the weight loss stopped for? How long have you been in a calorie deficit? How long has it stopped for since you've been in a calorie deficit? Let me know that. Um, bing bong. <laughs> is it a, is it to eat these types of foods in moderation? I noticed when I completely cut processed junk food out, I binge on it later. Yeah, great, great point. Um, and so, yeah, I sit here, listen, let me back this up a little bit. Weight, weight, mastering your weight really is unusual uh, out of all the, if, if we want to say foods addictive, if we say food addictions, which I think is a helpful way to look at it um, because you, you start to see the situation more accurately for what it is, because there's absolutely a level of addiction. Um, however, it's unusual from the other addictions in that it has to be managed. You know, you're going to keep eating foods, right? I mean, the drugs and gambling and all the other addiction stuff. Most of you just stop it, and it's out of your life, right? You could stop it. Um, the food you got to keep inter interacting with. And so I think you're right that a lot of times when we completely stop something, it tends to come back, you know, stronger. It's called the counter-regulatory effect, and it's real. So in my approach, in my program, what we do is we have a five-day on, two-day, like five-day clean eating, two-day pleasure eating. And it, it's exactly for that reason. If we try and completely make seven days of clean eating, good luck. You know, it usually doesn't work. 
Um, if we start to compress our, you know, our unhealthy eating into just a couple days, that used to be a lot more effective, you know, long term. Um, so yeah, I would look to cut down, you know, moderate the junk food, the processed food, um, begin to cut it down. So my five days, now again, I started with two days of clean eating and they extend out to five. Um, but what happened is those those clean days, I'm really looking to eat as little processed, you know, junk food as possible. You know, then on the weekend, I can eat it if I want to. Now, to be honest, over time, because I've learned so much about what processed junk food is. See, right now, you you think of it as a positive thing subconsciously. Um, you know, oh, it's not great for me. But that knowing it's not great for me is very vague. And the visceral experience of actually eating it is more real. And that's the pleasure you you think about when you think of that food. So it's very hard for you not to eat it. For me, I, re, I reframe that. I don't think of processed food, junk food as being pleasurable because I've learned a lot about it, you know? So again, to, to bring it home so it means something to you, what I'm saying, if you're a non-smoker watching this, you're not fighting cravings for cigarettes all day. That's not why you're a non-smoker because you've got amazing willpower and you're always fighting off cravings for cigarettes. Or if you're a smoker, you think of heroin. You're not a not heroin user because you're fighting off cravings for heroin. The way you think about cigarettes or heroin you don't have any cravings, right? You think it's disgusting, it's gross. You don't want any part of it, you see? So the mindset's doing the heavy lifting for you. Now, when it comes to the food right now, when it comes to trying to eat better, you're, it's the opposite. The way you're thinking about that food is generating all sorts of desire and cravings for it, and you're trying to fight those with your willpower, you see? That's why your mindset is, is really the most important piece to your weight mastery, you know? The number one thing affecting your weight is your mindset, okay? Um, so, yeah. Uh, Pink Rose, why do we like fried, crispy, greasy foods? Yeah, yeah. Um, it really just comes down to calories, right? We, we love calories. Our body loves calories. You understand, right? We've evolved in millions of years in a food-scarce environment so that now when we eat food with a lot of calories in it, and, and this has been like this for millions of years, when we eat calories, our brain starts releasing dopamine to further that action. Now, again, it doesn't matter. In a food-scarce environment, that's a great thing. But now here we are. And as I was saying, you know, they, they, they put tubes into mice's stomachs and they put different food concoctions in there. So they don't, they're not tasting them. But when they put the high calories in their stomachs, they start releasing more dopamine. So your body has the ability to recognize when you're eating something with a lot of calories. And it likes that. And so you notice, you know, it's not that cookies taste good. It's that cookies have a lot of calories in it. And your brain releases lots of dopamine when you eat them. So you start to associate the taste, you know what I mean, them tasting good with, with them being good, you know? Think about the difference between eating a carrot and eating a cookie. They're two completely different experiences, right? It's because a cookie has a lot of calories in it. So, um, you know, sugar, sweetness implies more calories. Fat obviously implies more calories. Um, salt to some degree, you know, um, that, that works a little bit differently. But uh, again, fried, greasy food, you know, there's a lot of fat in that, you know? And so your body can sense that and it likes, it likes the calories. It wants that on a very core level, you know? Um, how to avoid guilt after eating too much? Great question. Um, this is the cornerstone of the whole program yourself then program is learning from our mistakes because you're going to make lots of mistakes. You know, and this just fundamentally is what makes program yourself then so different from a diet. And when you start a diet, think about it, right? You're expecting that you're going to start day one being perfect. You know, you got your meal plan or however you're going to eat, no carbs, you know, I'm going to not eat intermittent fasting, um, no fat, wh whatever your philosophy is, you're going to start day one being perfect right? And then you're going to try and maintain that perfection until you reach your goal weight. And how, how's that working for you? <laughs> right? It's just so crazy to think you're just going to turn into a different person tomorrow. It makes absolutely no sense. 
but people keep doing it. But um, so in Program Yourself, then we anticipate you're going to make lots of mistakes and we build around the mistakes. And so we have a thing called the redo technique. So after you've eaten too much, what you want to do is learn from it. You want to connect to that feeling and you want to learn from it. And so connecting to it, what's the most important things? So when it comes to eating, there's two key phases. There's consumption, the eating of the food, and there's the consequence that follows. Now, that consequence is not just gaining weight. That's too far in the future. It's not motivating. We want, we're talking about the consequence that's five minutes after you finish eating. Okay. And as you start to associate to that consequence, you start to think about the food differently because most people just think about the food in terms of consumption. Imagine in your mind that you make movies for foods. So think about your favorite food, chips, ice cream, cookies, whatever. When you think about eating them, what's happening is you're thinking about getting them, putting them in your mouth and eating them. That's the movie you make. And that cranks up the desire for them. But if you play that movie out five, 10 minutes after you're done eating, now you start to focus on the consequence phase, which always follows. And the mental, emotional, physical consequence that follows, if you connect to that consistently, starts to become the predominant way that you think about food. It is for me. This is why it's so much easier for me to eat well, because I don't just think about how it's going to taste. I'm not locked into that consumption mindset. I now regularly focus on how am I going to feel five minutes from now or when I'm done? How am I going to feel 10 minutes after I finish eating? And my mind, I don't have to, I'm not bullshitting myself. I'm going to feel like shit. I'm going to feel like I kind of let myself down. You know, I'm kind of greasy. I don't have a lot of energy. I'm not happy with myself. I'll feel heavier, you know, all that stuff. And so I've done that so many times. And then I've done the redo technique where I've learned from it and come up with better options and, and practiced making the right choices that now it's, um, I don't want to say it's automatic, but it's close to automatic for me to make healthier choices. And I still make wrong choices. I still eat too much. That still happens. But when I do it, I utilize it. That's the process we talk about, utilizing our mistakes and learning from them. That's the secret, okay? Um. Let me see here. I've been on a calorie deficit and been working out seven days a week for five months and lose nothing. Um, that's interesting. Uh, how much of a calorie deficit? Are you weighing and measuring your food? How much you're working out? Has it actually been five months? Have you lost absolutely nothing? Those are the questions. We need specifics. Um, Chat GPT will create a lot more of those foods, I feel. Yeah, you're probably right, Shannon. Yeah, right? You know, I didn't mention this one. They, um, Unilever, which owns Ben and Jerry's and a bunch of other ones, but you know how they come up with ice cream flavors now? Or at least this is one of the ways they come up with them. They put people into an fMRI machine which scans their brain in real time and they look to see and they drip ice cream solutions on their tongue and they look for the ones that light up the pleasure centers the most. I mean, it, it's just, it's beyond, you ain't fighting it with your willpower. You're not going to eat those foods and just fight. It's like, oh, I'm going to just do some cocaine and, and fight it with my willpower. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't do that most likely. You're not going to just do some heroin casually, right? <laughs> You're going to smoke casually because you know it's super addictive. That's how you've got to think about these foods. By the way, by the way, you probably don't like cigarette companies, right? The cigarette companies, the food comes out of the same company. Do you know that RJ, RJ Reynolds and Nabisco merged? It's the same company. Cigarettes, shitty food. Do you know that... Philip Morris is the parent company of Kraft, or they were. Do you know what I mean? Like, again, it's food cigarettes. Like, they're making the most addictive product possible. Don't give a shit about your health. Don't give a shit about your happiness, your longevity. None of it. Just like the cigarettes don't give a shit. So think about that when you're thinking about the food you're eating. Who are you supporting? Do you suggest intermittent fasting? Um, I, I get to ask this a lot. I, it's, it's good if it's something that you're okay with. 
You know, I always say there's no right or wrong when it comes to weight loss. There's only what works for you. And, I, and that's really important because there's lots of plans out there. They've tested all the diets. All the diets work if you follow them to the letter. Problem is most people can't follow them. So if you've been playing with intermittent fasting and it, it, it feels comfortable and you feel good from it, then that's a path that might be appropriate for you. If you've tried it and you absolutely despise it and hate it, then it's not the path for you. Okay. So I intermittent fast, like I don't eat, I stop eating at night, usually six o'clock ish, you know, and then I don't eat till the next day until eight o'clock ish, you know? So I'm usually fasting 14 hours a day, but I backed into it. I, I didn't, I started doing that 30 years ago. They didn't have intermittent fasting then. I didn't want to eat at night. And so it kind of naturally occurred. I felt better. I started doing yoga at night. So there was a lot of other factors there you know, that supported me in, um, in doing that. So again, intermittent fasting isn't some magic thing. You know what I mean? If it works for you and, and, and you feel like this is a good path for me, cool. If you absolutely hate it, there's other ways to do it. Okay, so that's what I'd say. Um, five months, I'm getting desperate. I weigh 480 pounds. I also fast two days a week and nothing. All right. Yeah, that that's those are dramatic numbers. That's it's hard to believe that. And I hate to, I don't want to do that. I have obese clients and they tell their doctors stuff and the doctor never believes them. No one ever believes them. Um, however, you know, the human mind has a very high capacity to delete things and not be aware of things, you know? So I, I don't know. I, without knowing your situation, I'm just going to be honest with you. Usually when people say that, they're, they're missing something. I'm just gonna be completely honest because to be 480 pounds to fast two days a week, um, you know, five months of that to, to restrict the calories the way you're doing it and not lose any weight at all. Uh, I don't know. Um, everything you say resonates with me. Good. I'm glad. That's why I like to get on here. Natasha. Hey, I'm addicted to fast food. How do I stop? Yeah. 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 How do you stop? I would, I wouldn't stop. I would suggest, okay, so the three R's of weight loss, right, is remove, replace, reduce. So you got three options. People always want to go to remove because we're all black and white, um, all or nothing type thinking from diets, right? Um, however, I'd probably say if you're addicted to fast food, it might be helpful to start replacing it or reducing it. And the reducing I'd probably suggest is start, again, addicted, maybe you're eating it every day, I'm going to suggest. If that's the case, the first thing I'd want to do is get one day where I don't eat it. And then I'd want to make one day a week where I'm not eating that stuff and I'm eating something else. And then I would build on that. That would be my suggestion. Can I gain muscle on eating just junk food? Um, yeah, you could probably, yeah, I'm sure you could gain muscle. Yeah. I've been in a calorie deficit since November 7th and I am down 43 pounds. Eating isn't my problem, it's the working out. <laughs> well, I don't I don't see any problem. Listen, I I dropped 50 pounds. Oh my dog. Um, I dropped 50 pounds and have kept it off for 30 years with no working out. I, I've spontaneously done little little like P90X type thing, you know, like a couple times, you know, but but just little things like that. So it's been virtually no working out. And I have done yoga, but but there's no calorie burning going on. Um, you do not need to work out to lose weight. Okay, it comes down to what you're eating primarily. All right. Now the working out's got its benefits. I'm not, I'm not saying don't work out, but I'm saying you do not have to work out in order to lose weight. All right. Um, so appreciate your content. Thank you, Barbara. I appreciate that, Barbara Ann, little singer. Cool. Um, yeah, that's why I make it. So I appreciate that. 
Uh, any suggestions on how to deal? And by the way, if you're appreciating any of this, hit, hit that little tab button. You know, talk about boosting your metabolism, working out. Hit that little like button because it helps me get more people in here and uh, it helps me help more people. So if you don't mind that. Um, any suggestions on how to deal with postmenopausal weight gain? Yeah, I think when it comes to menopause, when it comes to, uh, yeah, and you know, by the way, yeah, again, just the best way for you to burn calories right now is just tap that screen. It is burning calories, by the way. <laughs> I know. Doop, doop, doop. Um, that does help burn calories. So uh, yeah, dealing with menopause is the same thing I say to anyone. Type 2 diabetes, menopausal issues, hormonal issues, all that stuff. It really highlights the need to have a lifestyle, a part of your approach, okay? And so again, in, in my program, we have three pillars of weight loss. I make the shape of a pyramid. Mindset's on the bottom, lifestyle's in the middle, eating's on the top, okay? And so um, the lifestyle's crucial. So what do I mean by lifestyle? Proper sleep, proper hydration, relaxation, um, breathing, proper breathing, nourishment, movement, meditation, gratitude. So when you have menopause, a lot of times it reveals an unhealthy lifestyle, you know? And so, yeah. Tala, cut it out. My dog keeps digging a hole in the yard. The same freaking hole, driving me nuts. <laughs> so the menopause is, um, the menopause a lot of times reveals an unhealthy lifestyle. And so it's important that you start to take a holistic approach to changing it. That, that's my suggestion to anyone with weight loss um, with menopause. And listen, I made a whole career out of helping women in and after menopause, all stages of it, lose weight. So don't believe, you know, I made a video and I, I, I always, I hesitate to let it out because I don't want to sound like, I don't want to make it sound so simplistic, but you know, if you're overweight, it's, it's because you're overeating in 99.9% .9 of the cases. Are there some really rare cases where that's not the case? Yeah, really, really, really rare cases. You know, and so PCOS, people can lose weight. Menopause, you can absolutely lose weight. Type 2 diabetes, you can lose weight. Um, you know, hormonal issues, you can usually lose weight. So, so you know, I, I just say this to you because if you create this belief, well, I'm in this situation, I can't lose weight, you, know, you don't even try, you know? And um, it is almost, it's, it's, it's very, very rare that someone can't lose weight if they cut the R's down. What's up, Jill? The three R's, right? Yeah, three R's is helpful. Do you work out? No, I, oh, I, I work out now more because, but I have different motivations. You know, I'm, I'm closing on in 50 and working out and getting the muscle going. It's a different purpose, um, but it's not a weight loss purpose. Okay. I want to be clear. And I made that decision 30 years ago. I made the decision. I was like, oh, I want to lose weight. How I want to do it. Um, well, I hate working out like exercising and work. I hated it. And um, so I was like, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it. I'm lazy. So I went the lazy route. I'm like, I can just eat less. I'll do that. And that's what I really, really focused on. And I mastered. So, um, yeah, my working out now, though, I have different motivations. You know, I, I feel myself needing to work out to, you know, keep the muscle up and keep the strength up. So it's a different motivation. But, but so I'm starting to do some of that now, but I have not consistently worked out. How much will having a drink daily impact my, lose my, where is that question? Um, my weight. It depends. Depends what you're drinking. Depends what effect it has on you. Um, it's not helping you know, for a number of reasons. Um, again, I don't know what you're drinking, but it's it's extra calories. And liquid calories, your body doesn't really measure, okay? Because think about it, in nature, there are no liquid calories, okay? So it's really important that you realize that those extra calories aren't processed the same. So it's just extra calories that you're getting no satiety from. Um, then there's the effects of alcohol on your psychology, which are, you know, cause a spike of blood sugar and a crash that tends to make you hungry. Inhibitions go down that tends to make you eat you know, unhealthier, you know? So these are just things to keep in mind. Doesn't mean that that's happening, but those are things to keep an eye out for, you know?
Um, tell us how to join the program again, please. Um, right now, the way to do it is go to my bio, click that link. And I mean, you can go to program yourself then and get it, but don't do that because it's, it's I got a special offer for you. If you're on here, um, it's my, my action is rewarded discount. But if you click the link in my bio, go get your hypnosis session. I give you one for free. And as soon as you sign up for that, it takes a little bit to send it to you. So I bring you to a page, three steps to master your weight. It's a training, about a half hour. Watch that. You should watch it anyways. But at the end of that, I go through the program and I give you a special offer, 50% off it. Okay. And um, yeah, it's, it's the best program. Am I skinny fat? <clears throat> um, I have been skinny fat, I would say, you know, a little bit. Um, a little bit, yeah. But I'm less and less each time now. I'm getting, listen, you know, I, I maintain pretty much the same weight over 30 years. 10 years ago, 12 years ago now, it was a blip. I had my son and um, we moved into a house. There's a lot, life got bonkers. My son didn't sleep well, you know, all the rest of it. Got exhausted. So, so there was a year there where my weight went up. Um, I dropped most of it, held on to about 10 extra pounds of it. And so... I was definitely more skinny fat then. And now, you know, I've kind of gotten back to normal, you know, energy wise. And now my weight's gone back to where it was. And um, now I'm less skinny fat and, and I'll be less as I begin working out more. Um, I know for a fact working out doesn't affect weight loss, uh, what you're eating does. Yeah, exactly. You can't out train a bad diet. There, working out is a double-edged sword because when you work out, A, it makes you hungrier. Okay, that's the first one. But the big one's the second one, the licensing effect. And this is when we do something virtuous and good, like working out. And um, then we say, oh, you know, I burned 500 calories today. I'm going to eat this, you know, 200 calorie thing. When in reality, you burned 200 calories and you ate a 500 calorie thing. So that's the big, big challenge there. So um, working out again is a double-edged sword. I don't recommend it a lot of times for people that haven't worked out, um, that want to lose weight. Don't worry about that, you know? Now, again, there's a lot of benefits to moving and, and working out and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm not saying that there's no benefits. I'm saying in terms of weight loss for the average person, um, a lot of times it causes more harm than good, you know, for people. Um, love your content. Thank you, Sue. I appreciate that. Thank you. That's why I make it. That's why I make it. Um, suggestion in binge eating. Binge eating, I always say the same two things. The two biggest triggers of binge eating, number one, is that you're way too hungry, you know? Because again, most of the time when people want to lose weight, they start starving themselves as much as they can because they think, oh, the less I eat, the faster I'll lose the weight. Um, but usually if you take a step back and look what typically happens probably is that you get really hungry and then you can't control your eating. Then you way overeat and you binge. Um, and the second thing is emotional. You know that, um, listen, we, we live in a society where we're conditioned to use food as an emotional management strategy tool, you know? And so um, if you don't know, if you got like an overwhelming emotions you're dealing with, uh, there's a good chance you're using food to deal with those, you know? And so... Um, one is don't let yourself get too hungry is one solution. And the other one is if you've got emotional stuff going on, um, work on dealing with it in a genuine way, you know, and, and again, I, there's a lot of ways to do that, but, but I'm not going to get into them all here. Um, Jill said, true, I'm in menopause and it doesn't stop me losing weight. Yeah, Jill's in the program and she's in menopause and she's losing weight, you know, because <laughs> she changed how she's eating. Yeah. So again, I, I'm not saying, listen, I, I'm not saying that genetics, physical things don't have an impact. I They do. No question about it. Um, but it's less of an impact than you think. It, the biggest impact is what you're putting in your mouth consistently. You know, that's what I made in the video. I said, if I dropped you off in the woods for two months and then picked you up two months later, do you think you'd lose weight? Because I watched that show Alone. You ever watch Alone where they drop people off in the woods and they got to like out survival each other for as long as possible? I've never seen anyone not lose a drastic amount of weight. That's like, it's basically who can lose weight the slowest they might as well call it that you know and um they've had big overweight people on there Every, everyone loses weight 
Cause, cause why? Cause all of a sudden they're not eating a lot of the days, you know, now again, I'm not, I know that's extreme. I'm, I, my point is though, that a lot of times it's, Oh, well I got this and I, so I can't lose weight. And it, it, that's not the case, you know, most, almost all the time, you know? Um, yeah. Suggestions on binge eating. Yeah. But so you got those Callie, right? I just, with well, the ones I just said, um, and again, binge eating, the biggest one though by far is again, it's that all or nothing diet mentality turns into binging because when you restrict things, you you create all kinds of mindset issues. You create physiological ones, right? Think about it. When you're starving yourself, every cell of your being starts screaming out for nutrition. Your brain, all your senses start getting hypersensitive to food cues, right? You can smell food from two miles away. You can hear people eating potato chips, you know, next street over. You could, you know, it's everything. You see everything that's related to food. So it's a very difficult state to stay in control of your eating in. You know, so again, in terms of binge eating, that's the biggest thing I've seen is people trying to starve themselves, you know, and that's why I say, be careful intermittent fasting. More often than not, I've helped people to stop intermittent fasting (laughs) because they're getting way too hungry. So I don't know, again, I I, intermittent fast, I'm not saying it's not valuable and beneficial in a lot of ways, but I do find that a lot of people aren't up for it. And so again, there's no one way that you have to do. You have to choose the way that resonates and works best for you, right? Um, do you think you should restrict calories or is that bad? Um, that word restrict, right? That, that's kind of a challenge. Um, the way we approach it in the program is we try to be strategic with it. Okay. And so what we do is, is the, the eating part of it, you come up with your eating blueprint. Now, the first step is just seeing how you typically eat, laying that out in front of you and getting some awareness of how you typically eat. Then what I always suggest is to go to work on your worst habit your worst eating habit. Maybe it's snacking at night. Maybe it's overeating at dinner. Maybe it's eating candy in the afternoon. I don't know. Everyone's got a different one. And so I like to, instead of just like going after the calories and like tracking calories and trying to cut those down, I prefer to go after behaviors, if that makes sense. And I like to focus on one, again, we start with your worst eating habit. And I ask the question, if you got rid of your worst eating habit, if your worst eating habit magically disappeared, just, just don't do it anymore. Where do you think you'd be at one year from now with your weight? You know, people usually assign 50, 70% of their extra weight to that habit, you know? And so what I'm saying is instead of the diet thing where you're trying to make everything instantly better, right? You're, you're taking all of your energy and trying to make everything better all at once. Instead, be strategic and focus all of that energy onto one thing and strategically work to, again, reduce, remove, replace it you know, and come up with a strategy. Because when you take it that way, you tend to come up with much, much better, long-lasting, sustainable strategies. Hope that makes sense. Um, yeah, the program stopped my huge binge eating problem. Yeah, well, of course, it, yeah, and that's the other side of the binge eating, which is, it takes long to answer, but is, um, you know, a lot of the binge eating is based on how you're, how you think about things, you know, in a lot of ways, right? Um, Pastor Rebar, do you really burn fat through breathing? And I'm, I'm taking DHEA. Could that be making, keep me from losing weight? Um, you do actually, that's how you burn most fat is through breathing. Yeah. You, um, you breathing and, uh, go in the bathroom, you know, the big ones, but it's primarily breathing. Yeah. That's how you actually get, that's how you expel the extra weight. Isn't <laughs> that weird? But breathing doesn't make you lose. You know what I mean? Like I could sit here and do breathing exercises, which I do. Um, but I'm not, I'm not like breathing more. There's metabolic processes that go that, that release the extra fat. Then we, we exhale it out. Um, yeah. Program yourself then. Binging, I believe makes your body lack nutrition. Sure. Fish. I'm only, 
I'm only 157 and, and I want to lose a bit of fat, but my calories end up getting quite low, 1,400. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like it's, it's kind of like, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't look at it, you know, like calories in calorie out is probably the most scientific way to like lose weight. Um, like technically, right. But at the same time, it's very difficult to live that way. You know, so I take a much more intuitive approach to it. I don't track and measure my calories. What I do is I track behaviors. So I eat very systematically. I structure my eating very specific. So like Monday through Friday, I ate the exact same breakfast. Monday through Thursday, I ate the exact same lunch. Um, and then at dinner times, I eat the same types of dinners week in and week out. You know, they, they interchange and whatever. But, and then, then on my off days, my pleasure days, I eat, pretty much eat the same stuff. You know, it, it mixes a little bit, but it's all in the same ballpark, calorie-wise, ingredient-wise, all the rest of it. And by doing it that way, I have an intuitive sense, okay, this is how I eat. And then I live that way for a while because I'm comfortable with it. It's not a strict, difficult, hard thing to do. I'm not measuring every little thing and adding all this time and effort to my eating. Um, I just want to structure it, you know, so it's the same. And then I see what my weight is. And so if I want to lose weight, then I look at my typical structured eating and I pick the lowest hanging fruit. What's the easiest thing to cut some calories out at, you know? But I do it very strategically. I feel like as soon as you start tracking the calories down to like the, because the calories are all estimates anyways, you know, and it's just, it takes a lot of effort. I would rather take all that effort and put it into, again, where a lot of my effort goes to day in and day out is really on my lifestyle, keeping up my habits, implementing better ones, optimizing them. You know, that's where a lot of my cognitive effort goes to. And so um, I find a lot of people waste all of their cognitive energy on tracking calories, you know, and that doesn't help you because yeah, you're tracking calories and then you're not tracking calories and then nothing's changed. For me, I don't track calories. I'm really fixated on my lifestyle habits. You know, that that's my main thing. Damn, this freaking shirt. You really put these giant tags in these shirts and then like you cut it and it leaves like these pointy things. <laughs> God, I hate tags so much. I was in 2023 with tags. All right, is it possible to gain a lot of weight from just stress even when you're not overeating? Um, yeah, that's the theory. And I anecdotally have seen it true. I haven't seen like... Listen, the thing with weight, man, it's just like there are so many people on the planet and there's so much different genetics. Like just to, to make a point, you know, it's like lactose intolerance, right? So it's like, it's almost like, okay, so Asians are all lactose intolerant. You know, a lot of African-Americans are, or Africans are lactose intolerant. A lot of like, you know, white people, 67% lactose intolerant because they've been for generations drinking milk, you know? And so it's just the gene you got, you know? And, and so you can digest you know, you got the gene that makes the enzyme that we can digest milk. So it's like, that applies to lots of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, like, so we're not just the same, just like, you know, I don't know, they found a blood type. We all get different blood types. You wouldn't know that looking at someone. So there are a lot of genetic factors that dictate how things are going to go. And my, my point of saying all that is that, well, does stress help you gain weight? Well, maybe, you know, it, it's seemingly, again, everyone's different, sensitive to different things. So if you get really stressed and your body releases lots of cortisol and your body responds to lots of cortisol by holding onto the calories, then probably, you know? So again, you, you, but that's my main point here is that you've got to kind of experiment with yourself, you know? And so you test that out. Is it possible when I get stressed, I put a lot of weight on? Because if it is, that might be good because now you can focus, instead of just focus on calories, you can focus on relaxation, which should be a cornerstone of your weight loss approach anyways. You know, if you're stressed out all the time, your chances of losing weight, they just go way down. You, you put yourself in this. And again, now some people get stressed and don't eat. A lot of people though get stressed and eat everything. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, so everything, you've got to build everything around yourself. That's why my program, we've got blueprints, fill in the blank blueprints that you fill out. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you how I eat. Who gives a shit how I eat? I'm a person who likes what I like. And you know what I mean? It has my own preferences and lifestyle and what I want to do. So I got an eating blueprint that's built around me. You know, that's why it's easy to maintain and stick with because it's built for me. But you've got to do that work too. You're never just going to get some eating plan from someone who doesn't know you, never met you. And you're just going to, you're just going to follow that eating plan forever. Like, it's so stupid. I always like, would you let me tell you what kind of movies to watch? What kind of clothes to wear? What kind of music to listen to? But you're going to let me tell you what kind of food to eat? Like, stop being so desperate. Just put the work in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's really not rocket science. The problem is, if you look over your weight loss, I bet what you're going to find is a lot of, like, obsession on quick fixes. Like, you do something really intense for a little while, and then you don't do any of it. And then you do something really intense for a little while, and then you don't do anything. And here you are 10 years, 20 years, 30 years later, and you've done lots of stuff, and you're in the exact same spot or worse, you know? So it's important that you kind of figure out how your body responds to things. Work around you. You know, make it that way. Um, do you recommend more, smaller, or a few bigger meals? Um, me personally, I like I like less meals and and they're a bigger size because I think like the more that now again this is me so this is my opinion. Um, it doesn't matter. You know, if it's it's all it's about the calories you consume. So if you consume, I'm just throwing a number out there, two thousand calories, and you eat, you know two 1000 calorie meals or whether you eat five 400 calorie meals makes no difference metabolically, um, weight wise, you know, in most cases, <laughs> but, um, but you know, which works for you, you know, for me to eat five meals a day. Oh no, thank you. You know what I mean? Cause I, I don't, it's just an extra work, you know, it's extra stuff to do. So I prefer to, I like three meals, you know, that's why I like to build around. And the idea of snacking, again, I look to minimize as much as possible. Snacking is kind of an unusual thing. You know, it's, it's a modern thing that we do. Um, I could not eat the same food every day. That's so crazy. Yeah, I get that, Callie. Um, and that's me though. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, that's me. So I work with people that feel that way and they have a higher need for variety. Okay, and that's fine too. But what I will say is that you're not, the opposite end of the spectrum of me is people like, oh, I need to eat something different every day. I can't eat the same thing every day. Well, how much variety do you need? Because you, you are not making something different every day of the month. Guaranteed. You're not making a different breakfast 30 times a month, a different lunch 30 times a month. You know, typically it goes, you know, the least amount of variety is breakfast, then lunch, and then dinner. We need the most amount of variety. And so um, it, it's important for you to recognize what is that? Because if you're telling yourself, well, I can't eat the same thing, that's code for saying, well, I can't really think about my eating and plan it out. I know this. I've, I've, been, doing, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've done over 5,000 private weight loss sessions. I know what people are thinking. And so usually what ends up happening is we get to a point and they say, oh, okay, well, I need three different breakfasts to choose from. Great. So what you do is you come up with three different breakfasts that are optimized towards nutrients. There's good nutrients in it. Again, especially breakfast, you want to make the healthiest meal of the day because it's where you get the most willpower and the least hunger. And every day you're building a, new, a house with your nutrition is how I like to think of it. You start with the foundation, then the first floor, then the roof, okay? And so, um, but how much variety do you need? That's the question. And so then you figure that out. Oh, I need four different breakfasts a week. Great. So what are four different breakfasts that are in the same calorie, you know, content wise, they're similar. 
Um, they're nutrient dense. They're healthy. They're easy to prepare. You like them at least somewhat. You don't hate them. And so that's good. Uh, and, and you, you know, that, that's how you kind of get to a place. And that, cause then, you know, one of the biggest parts of, of eating consistently losing weight is the logistics of actually pr- getting the food and then having it prepared. So that's the variety challenge. So yeah, it's, it's hard to eat the same thing every day. I mean, it's not for me. That's one of my superpowers, which I optimized around. However, if all of a sudden I want to eat three breakfasts, well, now that means I got to have three things available to me, which is fine. You can do it, but it's going to take up little, it's going to take more planning. You know, it's hard enough for me just to get my stuff for the same breakfast and lunch every day for the weeks. Um, That's hard for me to do. And so it's like to have like do that for two or three breakfasts, which that would feel overwhelming for me. You see. So again, the point I'm trying to make is that you have to optimize around who you are, you know, but it's the same process. Five days clean, two days pleasure and get a sense of what you're eating. You can't just be like, "Ah, I don't know. I'm not going to plan anything because then tomorrow for breakfast, you're going to get a muffin. The next day you might get a donut. You know, this one you might make an egg sandwich. You know what I mean? Like you can't have that wild, all that stuff there. You need to recognize what you're eating within context and start making it, optimizing it, making it as healthy as possible. Um, And then if you want to lose weight, you know, you, you add in the calorie part of it as well. Um, hey, I, I love your videos. I struggle to lose weight. I have PCOS and underactive thyroid, but I do go swimming like three, four times a week, but struggle in the evening. I feel hungry. Okay, Michelle, I appreciate you saying that. And I appreciate that the PC, PCOS and the thyroid stuff, is, it's real. Okay, so, so I want to make that clear. I made a video where I'm just like, if you're overweight, you're overeating. It's not that simple, obviously, right? However, of course you can influence your weight still based on what you're reading, okay? So I appreciate you pointing out that you feel hungry in the evening, and so you're probably eating extra calories in the evening, okay? Um, now, I will say, because I say this to anyone that has a physical challenge as part of their, um, their, their, their journey here, that you really focus on the lifestyle piece, proper sleep, proper hydration, relaxation, proper breathing, nourishment, movement, meditation, gratitude. So it sounds like the, the movement piece you're doing really well with the swimming. Make sure you get those other pieces in. It allows your body to work more efficiently. And a lot of times that can kind of make up for, you know, the, the thyroid and the PCOS, you know, at least it's going to make them better. Most likely, you know, I've never seen a situation where those things make things worse. Um, and then, yeah, eating in the, in the evening, um, you know, that happens to everyone, you know, regardless of the situation. So yeah, that was my big challenge is stop eating at night. You know, how do you do that? Um, you know, I, I kept going at it and I come up on my own strategy. Um, so it's a process. Uh, but again, remember the three R's. You can r- reduce, replace, remove. So remember, reduce and replace. Those are the ones people forget about. You know, everyone says, I'm either eating at night or I'm not eating at night, you know? But well, you got options. You could eat the same thing, but eat less of it. Or you could replace it with something that's less calories in it. Okay. And so you have some options, right? So, so I hope that helps out a little bit. Um, Bing bong. How do you master not eating at night? Even if I brush my teeth, it's not enough. I binge almost every night without fail. Okay. Well, the first question too, is like, how are you eating during the day? You know, cause again, the biggest reason people can't stop eating at night is cause they haven't eaten enough, you know, and they're starving. So I'll make that, that the thing. So how did I master it? I'm going to share this with you. Cause I think this, don't worry about the specifics I'm saying. I want you to recognize that there was a process I went at it with. That's what I'm, I'm trying to make that more important. When it comes to weight loss, you all are more obsessed with the outcome than the process. And you know this because you say to yourself, I don't give a shit what I got to do. I just want to lose the weight. Water fast and just starve myself. If I'm going to lose a lot of weight, great. And so you're so obsessed with the outcome. It's not your fault. I mean, it's just a lifetime of diet marketing. But what happens is all you think about is the outcome. You don't think about the process you use to get there. And that's your biggest problem. And so me, it's the complete opposite. I'm fixated on the process. 
I don't give a shit about the outcome. And so for me, even when I want to stop eating at night, I was all about the process. I was like, if I can get a handle on the nighttime snacking thing, I know my weight's going to change. So I dedicated and focused on the nighttime snacking for months, um, playing around with it. And so one of the first things I did, I started eating more at dinner so that I was feeling really full and then I wouldn't eat at night. And I know what you're saying. Jim, how are you going to lose weight that way? I didn't give a shit about losing weight right away because I had a long-term time frame. So I realized there can be phases of this process. I'd been eating at night my whole life. So it's like, I want to change that. That's going to be hard to do. Let me use everything. Let me just see what it's like to not eat at night, even if I'm not losing weight. So that was the first phase. I started getting comfortable with it. Then, you know, I started adding water. I started replacing using, you know, carrots and celery, um, trying different stuff. Then I started doing yoga at night. And so again, I don't want to get into the specifics of what I did because you go, oh, I can't do yoga at night. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's not what I did is for me, but the process I used is something you'd absolutely use. If you consistently focus on how can I stop eating at night? How can I eat better at night? Um, you know, what else can I do? You know, and you keep focusing on that. Again, you have no process for weight loss and, and program yourself thin. It's an entire process because it's all built around a two minute technique you do at night. So you have a good day. Great. You reinforce it. You have a shitty day. Great. You use this process and learn from it. Move on. You, it's like, you have a good day. Maybe you'll do it again tomorrow. You have a bad day. Forget it. The chances of you doing it tomorrow, real low. You know, you have no consistent process that you can kind of hang your hat on and feel comfortable with. I know for me, for the rest of my life, I do this two minute thing at night that help me program even still, you know? And so, um, it's a process though of figuring it out. And it's, it's, do you hear what I'm saying? Like it's completely opposite of what you're hearing with weight loss stuff. Cause what, what is everyone going to say? Oh, you got to stop eating at night. If you want to lose weight, come on, man. Do you want to do it? No pain, no gain. Are you committed? Are you serious about this? Let's do it. Just stop eating at night. Right. That's what all the diets are. Is someone telling you what to do? They're telling you like the perfect plan to do it, right? You want to lose weight the fastest? Just do this. And every plan is like telling you what to do. And then it's left up to you to figure out how to get yourself to do it. And you've got no idea how to do it. You've got one tool and one tool only, willpower. And that willpower lasts for a day or two and then it disappears. And then you don't, you have no idea how to change your behavior, right? Because <laughs> no one ever teaches you. Uh, yep, three hours really help. They do help because again, that's part of the process, figuring out what works for you. If you want to find peace with food and eating, lost all the weight you want, please think about this. Yeah, absolutely. Jill's in the program, right? So she's killing it. What if you are a binge eating person and can't snap out of it? Um, again, you know, it's the same thing. It's just, it's a process of going at it. Um, and I'll give you another one. You really want to be solution oriented. You all are negatively problem oriented. And this this isn't a critique where we are all, humans are, are problem oriented in general. Um, but you're always asking, why can't I stop eating? Why can't I stop binging at night? What's wrong with me? Why can't I stick with a plan? Why do I keep doing this? And you're obsessed with trying to analyze the problem because you think that analysis is going to lead you to some answer that's going to change everything. But what you don't realize is all that problem thinking is programming you to be overweight because you're constantly thinking about yourself making mistakes and doing the wrong stuff. That's what you're always thinking about. And that's why you're getting the results you're getting. So we want to be solution oriented. How can I have more control over my eating? How can I feel comfortable at night so it's easy, you know, to just go through the night not even thinking about food, you know? And you start asking questions like this consistently overnight because you don't just get the answer one day of doing it, a week of doing it. You have to, it's like brushing your teeth. Right? You brush your teeth and that routine and ritual that runs pretty much on autopilot now, subconscious mind, um, is what keeps your teeth clean. There's no magical toothbrushing routine that just keeps your teeth clean for a month or a year, right? So again, it, there is no outcome because what do you think happens when you lose the weight? You got to keep it off and you, no one's prepared for that when it even happens. <laughs> All right. I got to get out of here, but there's any quick questions. What would you say how to lose stubborn belly fat? Um, belly fat's no different than the rest of the fat. So it's really just a... Your belly fat, all the fat in your body, your weight is a reflection of your habitual eating and lifestyles 
choices. Okay. So that's what you got to change. Do you believe in set point theory? I do, but I think of it differently than most people. Most people think of it as a genetic, physical thing. I think of it as a mindset thing. I think everyone has a self-image, an identity, a way they think of themselves. And I think you all think of yourselves, if you're struggling with your weight, you think of yourself as an overweight person because that's what you've been. And so you don't like it, but you're comfortable and familiar with being overweight. That's how you get through in the world. And so at least you know it. You know, and so I believe that weight point theory is really a self-image thing. You think of yourself as an overweight person, which again, in my program, the first thing you do is you start to redefine yourself as a thin person and practice being, thinking and acting like a thin person, you know? Yeah. And there you go. Yeah. Jill on past what I believe is my set point, but that's because she's doing that inner work, you know, where she's thinking of herself as a different version of herself, you know? So, um, yeah, that, that's a key point. All right, everyone, I got to get out of here. I got a coaching call coming up. Um, go go to my bio, click that link, watch, uh, get the hypnosis session, watch the training that pops up in front of you. Um, if you're really serious, you know, I, I tell you about the program at the end, get get in there and, and we'll get working together. Um, the podcast is Program Yourself Then. Uh, YouTube's Jim Katsoulis, if you want to watch that. And uh, yeah, all right, I, I got to get out of here. Have a great day, everyone. Talk soon, bye.